And success obviously is not measured by how far you go. It's measured by how much you're enjoying it. And if you're having some, you know, rewards and some success, wins and losses, sure, that there's that's in that measurement. But what are you gaining from it? You know, what mm-hmm. are you are you able to multitask? I think so many things are are gained from um, being pushed and coached at a young age that help you in your professional life when you're done playing the sport. So I tell people there's no roadmap. You know, there is no way that you are going to be able to, you know, plan it in a way that you get to the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and unfortunately, that's a lot of parents' mistake. Hey guys, Hannah Donnelly here for another episode of On Her Mark, a podcast where we sit down with female athletes, fitness professionals, and women in sports to learn their stories and their why, all in an effort to find inspiration and celebrate those blazing trails for the next generation. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. She's a basketball star in her own right. Graduated from the University of Washington as both the leading scorer and rebounder. She went on to play in the American Basketball League. She played overseas and then eventually in the early years of the WNBA. She's continued to keep a hand in the game coaching young women and her kids. Yes, I'm talking about Rhonda Smith Bancaro. If you're scratching your head saying WNBA, I know that Bancaro name from the NBA. Well, you're not wrong. She is the mother of the 2023 Rookie of the Year, Paolo Bancaro, with the Orlando Magic. She is also the proud mom of two other kids, a son and a daughter, and they are all athletes. I was so excited to chat with Rhonda about her path to basketball, because unlike her son, it wasn't as clear from a young age. Rhonda shares how she was tricked. Yes, actually tricked into going to her first rec league practice. She also talks about when she realized that playing at the collegiate and eventually professional levels became a possibility. We're talking about the 90s and early 2000s here. So think about what we're fighting for in media coverage now and what existed then. And then we talk about motherhood. She shares what it's like to raise three athletes. And she'll admit, There is no roadmap to raising an NBA star, but she and her husband leaned on their own experiences as successful athletes themselves to support their kids and their goals. And one thing that Rhonda was so clear about is that they would push their kids and they would support their kids as long as they were having fun. This is such an important thing as we look at youth sports today. And then, of course, we talked about Paolo and we talk about his success And when she knew he would go to the league, because there was one moment that she knew it was real. She's never shared the story about him before. And if you would believe it, it was at a North Carolina basketball game. The irony there. I know you guys are going to love this conversation. Rhonda keeps it real. We talk about the highs, the lows, all of it. So please welcome Rhonda Smith-Bancaro to the On Her Mark podcast. Well, we have so much to talk about today because Rhonda, you have so much going on in your world. (laughs) Thank you for taking the time today. 
No, thank you for having me. And yes, you're right. I have a lot going on, but always enjoy having a good conversation. So I've been really looking forward to it. Amazing. Well, I want to start with just sports is a huge part of your world. It's always been a part of your world. Um, you have three kids, athletes, you're married to an athlete and you yourself have had an incredible career in basketball. How has sports kind of brought your family together and played a role in, in, in raising kids? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that because we are athletes ourselves as parents, it's something that, you know, we could see the immediate advantages of in terms of when you were wanting to raise your kids. And I think that when we, my husband and I got together, we knew sports was going to be a big part of our lives. We're season ticket holders to the University of Washington. You know, we attend uh, our friends' high school games of their kids. And, and so we knew that when we decided to start a family that we would you know, direct our kids towards sports. It wasn't something that we required, but we wanted to make sure that our kids were involved in activities. And and we feel like, you know, when they're involved in activities, they have less time to kind of get into nefarious things. And so it was something that we, you know, wanted to, to recommend, um, have our kids exposed to. And, and, you know, fortunately it's worked out for us. You made a splash at University of Washington. You left, you graduated as the all-time leads leading scorer and rebounder. You were inducted into the hall of fame there. <laughs> uh, what made you want to pursue basketball at, at the collegiate level? So that's a great question. I actually did not think that I was going to be an athlete at all. Um, I was a tall, you know, thin, gangly kid. Uh, and everyone used to ask me, I don't think I realized how tall I was <laughs> in, in terms of like, you know, regular, you know, society and average height folks. Um, and our, my family's tall. So, you know, you're just around tall people all the time. So you don't really realize, you know, how much you stick out when you're not around people um, that are related to you. People started to ask me around 12, um, you know, hey, do you play basketball or, you know, do you play volleyball? And and I, you know, would be polite, of course, and say, oh, no, I don't do that. But in my mind, I'm like, why are, why is everyone asking me that question? And, they, and a lot of people ask, right? So I'm like, mm-hmm. what is it? What, what do I look like? Or why do people assume that? Uh, you know, of course, looking back now, it was like so obvious. Um, <laughs> but my dad um, wanted me to play basketball. He played basketball just at the high school um, through the, his high school um, time and and my mom ran track. And so my dad, you know, tried to get me out there and I was always, always kind of poo-pooed it and said, no, dad, I don't want to do that. So he lied to me and uh, told me that we were going to be going to one of his friend's house for like a barbecue in this, in the, you know, I feel like it was in the summer. And I, you know, dressed for like a barbecue. So I had, I remember (laughs) distinctly what I wore that day. I had on this cute little pink shirt with like, you know, this is the eighties. So, you know, these like geometric shapes in white and these white shorts and some kids and I'm aging myself. You were Um, looking good though. You were ready to go to this barbecue. I was feeling real good about (laughs) how I looked that day. And there was no barbecue. He had already researched and talked to the coach at the local community center. They were having a practice. So I, he took me to the community center and I am just not at all. I have no idea what's going on. So I'm following him. I'm like, oh, it's barbecue's not outside. Oh, oh, wow. It's in a gym. That's weird. So we go into the gym. There are these girls there practicing and he 
you know, looked at me and said like, surprise, you know, <laughs> I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to do this. And so after some, you know, terse conversation, I was going to do what my dad said. And I practiced that day in those clothes that I described <laughs> that I was wearing. And from there, I, I I started, I was like, oh, maybe this is not so bad. The girls were really nice. They knew I was coming. I was tall. So they were really excited. <laughs> um, they were really nice. And they were also tall. And I, I think that I just hadn't been exposed to doing something where being tall was a, a plus. Mm -hmm. And so I started playing basketball from that moment on. Um, I never thought that I was going to be able to go to college to do it. Um, I thought it was just going to be something that I, you know, played through high school. Um, there, women's sports wasn't on TV um, mm -hmm. up until like the final four and the final game would be on television. Um, but other than that, you couldn't find women's sports on TV at all. And so I didn't, you know, there was just no exposure to it um, for me to see women doing that. I started going to the local um, basketball games, which was the University of Washington. They were, they were really good back then. And a lot of fans would show up at the game. So I went as a fan and sat up in the stands and marveled at like, man, these women are way better than me. And man, I could never do that. Like I never put myself in that category um, of being that talented. And then of course, you know, you're progressing in your career, you're playing AAU basketball. So you're getting exposure. And then I got my first letter uh, from a very small college. Um, I think it was Valparaiso state i think it was back then and i and that was the first kind of inclination that oh hey maybe somebody thinks that i could do this for their school mm -hmm. and still was just way you know felt like it was it was something that was unattainable and then it just kind of happened organically after that and you know i ended up choosing the university of washington and you know the rest is history as they say there's so many things there that i that i love <laughs> that i want to like double double tap into yeah. One, I think the the conversation of exposure and just not seeing it and just not knowing that it's a possibility, that's such a huge thing. And it sounds like that when you started to see that it was a possibility, maybe maybe it wasn't immediate that these dreams came came to fruition, right? But maybe that it was like, oh, if I work hard, there is yeah. something that can happen. Or look, there are tall people around me at on the, at the yeah. gym. Like, yeah, those are things that I think are so underrated. Absolutely. And, you know, you always hear when people say I was exposed to it. I saw it growing up, you know, somebody like it sounds so cliche now because you hear mm -hmm. it so often, but it really is true. If you don't see people doing something, you don't ever really think that you could do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think about that now because it was why we exposed our kids. And I think why people expose their kids to kind of all of the things that they can, and hopefully something sticks. It doesn't have to be sports. It could be an instrument. It could be, you know, uh, poetry. It could, it really could be anything. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I didn't see it. So I only knew what my small little community could provide. And that was just in the little, you know, crappy community gyms. Uh, and then, you know, the, the old high school gyms mm -hmm. and then, you know, an upperclassman is who exposed me to uh, Husky women's basketball. And so you're, you're absolutely right. Like it sounds cliche, but I, I always say that cliches are cliches for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's because they've happened over and over and over again. 
And then it just becomes commonplace that people, you know, talk about them. It's so important. And I think that's, I, I love that kind of story of just getting to the college level, but then you went on to play in the American basketball league, which is, you know, no longer you played overseas and, and you played in the, the WNBA. And yeah. when did that become something that was a, was realistic for you? Um, like when were you exposed to that? When did you see that to say, Oh, that could be me. Well, that's a great question too, because when I started playing, even in college, you know, you, you would hear, but they weren't really on TV. I mean, I remember seeing one, there was, I think it might've been called the American Basketball Association or, or the women. I don't remember the, 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 the long name mm-hmm. or even really the, the, the short, the, the, the initials, but I remember the women were on television and they were playing in these leotards, like full, like think of a wrestling uniform. Okay. Um, and I, I think they may have had sleeves or maybe some of them were wearing t-shirts underneath, but they, they were basically leotards. And that was, and it was, they were American women playing against each other. And I remember like looking at that, like I would never play in that outfit. <laughs> like, no. Oh, in that know? outfit. Oh it yeah. Oh yeah. Stuck out. Like forget about the sport, the game. Forget about the sport. Like the sport was like, okay, I see they're playing basketball, but what are they wearing? Like I am mm-hmm. not you know, I mean, just, you know, different body types and my own body type. I'm trying to picture myself and that there's no way I would do that, mm-hmm. you know, and it, 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 and it, it didn't last very long. Um, and then there was nothing. And then, you know, when you're going through college, you, you realize, okay, I have to go overseas if I want to make money. And I, and I knew, or if I wanted to continue my career and I knew women, um, who had played, for the Huskies who were alumni who would, would come back and they were playing in Japan and, and, you know, obviously different countries. And I just thought, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, I, I want to do that. Um, and then of course you have some success, you get some notoriety and the American basketball league pops up and you, you know, kind of you're on that path and you get drafted. So you, you're just kind of in the, in the system, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I still enjoyed playing. Um, and I, and so I just went along with what the system, you know, was offering. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I will say that I, I didn't have the career that I wished I would have had in the ABL. Um, certainly not in the WNBA. I like to say I had a cup of tea in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm so thankful for those experiences. I still talk to a lot of the women that I met, you know, through that time and, um, keep in close contact with a lot of my teammates from University of Washington. And, and, and for that, um, I, I really encourage people to like, let the process play out mm-hmm. and be in the system until the system doesn't give you what you want anymore. Uh, because the relationships that you build are just, you know, they're, they're really immeasurable. That's such a powerful thing to, to trust the process, because that can be so challenging, especially especially in today's world when there's a lot of outside noise um, with mm-hmm. social media and sponsorships and things like that, that didn't really exist for athletes back, um, you know, at the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. Right. So how do you advise people now to, to trust that process and to not listen to the noise? So that's a great question. I, my husband and I both, obviously we have three athletes. We have, you know, our son who plays in the NBA and is experiencing beyond being the number one pick is also experiencing 
success. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's been a successful um, pick and a, and a successful journey for him so far mm -hmm. and him being an all-star in his second year. Our daughter is in college playing soccer. Um, our youngest is 16 and, you know, he's on his path and and everyone says, you know, what, you know, how do you do it? You know, what did you do? Like what, give us, like, give us the roadmap. Yeah. And, you know, there, there wasn't a roadmap other than mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure that our kids were exposed to high level coaching, high level training, and that we were going to be involved every step of the way, not to, you know, push them, but to guide them. And some people might call it pushing, you know, to be honest, but to, because we, I've experienced it. My husband has experienced, you know, some level of success as well. So we knew what it took in terms of what the kids, the individual kid needed to do mm -hmm. in order to be successful. And success obviously is not measured by how far you go. It's measured by how much you're enjoying it. And if you're having some, you know, rewards and some success. Wins and losses, sure, that there's that's in that measurement. But what are you gaining from it? You know, what mm -hmm. are you are you able to multitask? I think so many things are are gained from um, being pushed and coached at a young age that help you in your professional life when you're done playing the sport, no matter when 100%, that is. 100%. And so I tell people there's no roadmap. You know, there is no way that you are going to be able to you know, plan it in a way that you get to the NBA, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 unfortunately, that's a lot of parents' mistake. Is mm -hmm. they're like, how did you get your kid to the NBA? And I'm like, well, we birthed him and we put him in the right situation, and then the rest of it was him. And then mm -hmm. obviously there was some luck and some karma and some spirit, whatever, right? Right, right. But but it's such a small percentage of mm -hmm. people who get to do even have an opportunity to do what he's doing. There's such a small percentage of people who get to do what I did, what mm -hmm. my daughter's doing. And so there's no roadmap. And what if the kid doesn't enjoy it? For as many kids that I know who have had success, including my own, and I mean, gotten to college to play, there are just as many kids who burned out, who have strained relationships with their parents mm -hmm. because they were being pushed in a direction that they didn't want to be pushed and not to go on. But I've told my kids, whenever you want to stop, it's fine. Whatever you want to do to sustain yourself, you don't have to do the job I've, you know, I do, you don't have to do what your dad does. As long as you're happy, I don't care how much money you make, as long as you can sustain your own life, go forth and prosper. Um, and I know it's, people are going to say, well, that's easy for you to say, cause you've experienced a success, but but it is true. I mean, I'm, I can only, you know, tell my truth. And, and I think that it's important that parents know that once you start planning and you focus on that plan, if that's the only plan you have, you're going to be disappointed at some point. There's a fine line, right, between encouraging, challenging, pushing your child um, because you know their potential and what they can do, whether that's on the basketball court and, you know, making it to the NBA or if it's in school intellectually mm -hmm. Or with friends and friendship, it's mm -hmm. like a hard social situation. You're like, hey, I know you yeah. got to be the bigger person here. But there's a fine line then between that, you know, we hear the helicopter parent and the yeah. parent that's doing it all. But what I'm hearing you say is you're you're giving them the, the tools, you're supporting them, and then let them use it. Like, let yeah. them go with it. And when they have that ability, it sounds like they're going to do 
they're going to feel empowered to do what they want. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And yeah. I like to say, or tell the story, and, and this is not something that, you know, a lot of people know, but I'm going to share today. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my oldest, the the one in the NBA, um, he said he wanted to be in the NBA seventh grade. Uh, and I tried to expose him. You know, I, I coached some women who young ladies who had gone on to college, one ended up at North Carolina. So I took him, he and his friends uh, or his friend and my other two kids, uh, we all went to a North Carolina game in North Carolina. Um, happened to be senior night. The young lady that I was coaching was, was on the team at that time and she was a senior. So I wanted to see her, so on and so forth. So I took him to the game. They, we caught a men's game too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going to that gym, it's, you know, I don't know, 20,000 odd people all went, you know, it, it, is an, it, it is an experience and an atmosphere yeah. that is not like an atmosphere here in Washington. Mm-hmm. And after the game, it was packed. It was a sellout. And after the game, I looked at my son and his friend who also played basketball. And I was just watching them from afar. And they were in awe. Like they did not speak. It was such a, an amazing experience. And I asked my son at the time, I said, hey, does this like intimidate you? Or, you know, like, does this many people watching this basketball game, cheering, jeering, you know, high Mm -hmm. pressure situation? I said, does this like excite you? Are you nervous? Or are you, you know, you feel like you could do it? And he looked at me and I didn't know what he was going to say. And he's like, no, I want to do this. I want to, I want to play in front of this many people. And I knew at that moment, like, okay, and he was tall, of course, and, and had some talent. So I was like, all right. <laughs> so then it was putting him on the path to utilize the tools he had to hone the skills. And then I I, I did push him. You know, at that point, I did push him. And it was like, hey, you say you want to get to the NBA, you need to get your butt up and go to practice. You say you want to get to the NBA, well, you got to go to college first. So you got to get in the classroom. You got to, you know, and... Then on the court, I was very hard on him from the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually, I'm actually really hard on all my kids from the stands. Um, and I wasn't like past the ball or I was on them about effort, attitude. You know, I'd be on the coach, like take him out. He's not rebounding. Or how come you're not on mm-hmm. him because he only had, you know, seven rebounds tonight. Like I'm on my own kid and I'm on the coach about my own kid. I'm not talking about any other kids. Um, and that, you know, to be quite frank, I think I sacrificed some of my relationship with him in order to push him that hard because the world is going to be hard on him. And I didn't want it to be a shock how harsh the world was. I wanted him to kind of feel like, oh, well, man, my mom's, this is nothing, you know, (laughs) go home and my mom's like, I'm going to, you know, get it. So, you know, I was willing to do that and, and I think I would do it again, but it's something that, you know, is a reality of having, you know, uh, athletes or pianists or people who want to hone their skill to do something. It's our job as parents, I think, to push them and to put them in situations um, where they can be successful until they say they don't want to do it anymore. Mm. So, you know, mentioning there of sacrificing part, part of that relationship, do you feel that now that he's an adult <laughs> now that he's, you know, he's playing in the NBA. Um, 
that you've had, you've had conversations about those sacrifices and have, you know, not remedied them is, is not the right way, not way to say that, but have you been able to kind of just discuss that and understand it? Yes, we we've touched on it. I don't think we've gotten too in depth. Um, You know, I still, as a matter of fact, I texted him uh, late, late last night. He uh, had a game and, and they won. Uh, They beat the Spurs and, and he did, he did pretty good. Uh, but he missed a ton of free throws. And I looked at his overall free throw percentage and I was like, Hey, your free throw percentage is, is hovering around my career free throw percentage in college, which was not good. I was like in this, I was like 67%, which is like mm-hmm. so bad. Um, And I said, just a little Friday motivation for you, you know? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still am, you know, I still am, you know, coaching from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do a lot less of that. I mean, that was kind of couched in a joke, but yeah, ultimately he, he knew that I was like, Hey, get the free throw percentage up. Like those yeah. are free points <laughs> and, you know, help your team. Um, but yeah, we've touched, we've touched on it. And I, I think he understands what I was doing then. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that maybe some of the things I did he didn't resent. And he said that, like, you know, I resented her back then, but I understand why she was doing it. And I, you know, we're, we're fine. Um, you know, we have a great relationship and, mm-hmm. and, and we love each other and, and there's no animosity there. Uh, but I think, you know, in the moment you really can question whether or not you're doing the right thing. And coupling that, as you said earlier, it's a fine line because you mm-hmm. have to couple pushing a little bit and putting them on the path with whether or not they don't want to do it. And so I always try to check, check in and say, listen, Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're tired and you don't want to do it, let me know. Mm. Um, You know, because, because we can, we can stop this. Um, And I've said that with all the kids and, Mm -hmm. and, and I've learned a lot. I'm I'm probably a little easier on our youngest child who's still in high school um, than I was with, Apollo or certainly mm-hmm. with our daughter Mia. Yeah, it's it's all a learning experience. I mean, it's parenting. Half the time you don't know what you're if you what you're doing <laughs> yeah. is right or wrong. You're just like, I don't know if this is the best thing, but this is what's gonna happen. So and every yeah. kid is different, every sport is different. Did you feel that you needed to coach or parent your sons differently than your daughter? Or were you just like, This is sport is sport, and I'm going to coach you the same? I think there are some like overarching themes that you you stick with as a parent like you know um I I never wanted or allowed my kids to like talk back or you know Mm -hmm. be disrespectful to coaches even Mm -hmm. if they didn't agree with them I was like listen you can't you just can't do that um part of it was because we don't allow that in our house and I think it would be a reflection of parenting if we allowed a kid to talk you know, back to a coach or argue with them, so on and so forth. Right. But it's an also, extension of family values. Well, ab- absolutely. But also, you know, because I had been through the recruiting process mm-hmm. and that was early, early, early when there wasn't, you know, social media or, mm-hmm. you know, cameras everywhere and mi- microphone phones everywhere. I was like, you never know who's in the crowd. You don't know who's listening. Yeah. You know, as you said now, like, or as you said earlier, you know, with social media and these outside noise, you know, if I were, you know, yelling at my coach back mm-hmm. in the eighties, nineties, you had to 
tell someone, you had to get on the phone, like a landline, mm -hmm. call someone <laughs> and say, hey, this is what happened. And that person would have to listen to your description and then picture it themselves. Right. And make well, their now, own decision of like what happened. Right. right. Exactly. And now that's not the case. Someone's got a camera, you know, coaches have assistant coaches or, you know, now they have kind of scouts. If you have mm -hmm. a program big enough, there are scouts out there. And so now there's all these, you know, little, little microphones out there and there's, there's <laughs> little cameras out there that they can catch it. And then not only do you not get an opportunity to provide any context before it is out to a hundred people possibly, mm -hmm. or a million people, depending on, you know, what the, it's, it's just right. so, it can be so immediate and you can't pull it back. And so mm -hmm. I never wanted my kids to experience something that as a parent, as someone who really knows the kid, Hey, that kid's not really like that because the, and the world is saying that kid is a bad apple. You know, I just, yeah. so I always, you know, I always told my kids, which is what my mom told me. If I were somewhere across the room or in the room and you didn't know I was there, would you be okay with what you were doing? If you knew that I was watching, you know, that didn't work all the time, but well, and their kids you know, and their kids yeah. and that's part of it too. And, uh, but it sounds, so it sounds like it was a lot of it was just extensions of what you valued as a family and as a parent in your child doesn't matter if it was with the sport or at school, like it's, yeah, that's how they, that's how they were coached. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you disagree with the coach, like you said earlier, you know, there, you got, you got some good coaches and you got some bad coaches. We, we were lucky that, that we have had good coaches for, mm -hmm. and, and we were mindful of, mm -hmm. okay. Now, and, and to my, to the point about my daughter, you know, soccer, she plays soccer. Mm -hmm. It's a club sport. You play volleyball club sport. Mm -hmm. Um, the politics, the, I mean, I could go on and on about women's club sports, especially soccer, mm -hmm. um, because that's my experience. Um, you really have to be careful because there's so many dynamics within the team, you know, her and her teammates, uh, her and her coaches, how she mm -hmm. sees how the coaches are treating her teammates versus how they're treating her whether they're winning, winning or losing. I mean, there's so many dynamics. Throw the parents in there, throw the parents' oh. opinions and their involvement. And that's a whole, that's a whole yeah. other episode. That's a whole other. Yeah. And who's, who's paying mm -hmm. uh, and who, you know, how much are, are they donating some extra, some somewhere. And so there, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much not great yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, and then my daughter was a, a Brown girl on a soccer field, which, mm -hmm you know, in the Pacific Northwest. And I believe, you know, along the West coast, not super common. Uh, and so, you know, dealing with those dynamics that she had to deal with as a, as a bigger girl, she's five eleven. um, you know, physical player and, and just the judgments that come along with that from parents and, and referees and, and, mm -hmm. and the like, but yeah, I, I had to coach her or, you know, kind of treat her differently because I think girls, young women need to know why something is happening before they'll go out and run through a brick wall for you mm -hmm. where boys are just naturally inclined. I think to, you know, just, Oh, you want me to go over there? Boom. I'm going over there. We can talk about it later. 
Yeah. I don't believe I, I coached women for, you know, 13 years. I don't believe that women are that way. I believe that if you explain it to them in short, you know, I mean, yeah. games going on, but if you can explain it to them in a way that they can understand and get it, they'll run through a brick wall. But if they mm -hmm. don't know and something doesn't work out and then you don't respond in a way that's understanding, mm -hmm. it really can do a lot of damage to, to their confidence. And so, yes, I had to, to treat, we had to treat our daughter differently mm -hmm. um, than we did our sons. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we're, we're wrapping up here on time, Rhonda, but I ask everyone this question and I want to ask you, um, do you have a mantra that you lean on that you've shared with your kids that you lean on personally on tough days that you did while you were, you know, competing? Yeah. Um, and this is something that I learned from a, 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 a fellow Husky. He was a football player. I was a basketball player. We're great friends today. Our daughters played soccer. Um, oh. on the same, on the same club team for a while. That's awesome. And, uh, it is, uh, talent. Well, hard work will beat talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm. And I've always told my kids, like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you don't work hard, it doesn't matter. And that's going to show through more than your talent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so important. And it's a lesson mm -hmm. that unfortunately a lot of people learn the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. In this age of like the 30 second or the not even 30 second, the five second highlight, mm -hmm. you know, nobody, nobody sees all the work that goes in behind it. So mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I think that's where, you know, you've had that, that the experience pays off for your kids and for your, and just of, of, you've lived it, you've done it, you've accomplished it. And having, you know, you know what it takes to be in the gym, you know what it takes for the mindset to, to be successful. It's not just the glitz and the glam. <laughs> yeah. Would be yeah, nice that... if it was, but oh my gosh, that would be so easy. Wouldn't it? We could just put on the uniform or put on the makeup and do our thing. That would be so much easier, but, but what fun can't... would that be right at oh, the end of the day so when you, yeah. I, like I look back and I'm curious for you, like when I look back, of course you, you remember some of the championships or the big games, the big moments, the big losses, whatever it is. But I remember the friendships and like those like locker room dance parties and things like that's yes. what I remember. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because I think when I get together, I was just with two of my teammates. We went to see uh, Paula play in San Antonio and one of them lives down there. So I went down to see them and the bulk of our conversation was exactly what you talked about. It yeah. wasn't on the court unless something funny happened on the court yeah. or like, you remember <laughs> that one time, but it was all of the bus rides, the mm -hmm. hotel room, you know, dance parties, the, I mean, the, the, the funny restaurant orders, like it was all mm -hmm. of those things that happened off, off the court or off, you know, the pitch and whatever. And those are the memories that we all talk about now that we're, mm -hmm. you know, mothers ourselves, like, we don't even care about mm -hmm. the wins or the losses. That's not what we remember. We remember all of those times. And, and that's something that no matter what happens and what happened, you, that's what you lean on, right? Mm -hmm. That's what, that's what makes you want to continue to support each other in adulthood. Um, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. My teammates and I say, we say we, we rode with you through the highest highs and the lowest lows, and that's never going to change. Cause that's what life is. It's the high highs and the low lows, like, and and when we're here, so. 
and their experiences that so few of us mm-hmm. ha- have been able to have together, right? You and Absolutely. your teammates, nobody can take it from you. A lot of people can't relate to it. Usually mm-hmm. only other athletes can relate to it. Um, I liken that to kind of any extracurricular activity, you know, where you do it at a high level. Nobody can relate except for, you know, the eight, 10, 15 of you that are doing the yeah. same thing. And, you know, that's how memories are made. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Rhonda, thank you so much for your time today. Um, we appreciate you taking the time and we'll we'll let everyone know where they can keep up with you. And um, thanks, thanks for this. Thank you, Hannah. I appreciate it. This has been a really great conversation on this Friday. I told you guys we could have kept talking all day. So interesting to learn about Rhonda's path to the hardwood and how she used her experiences to inform the way she coached and raised her kids in sport. To learn more about all the nonprofit work and coaching Rhonda is doing now, visit rondasmithbancaro.com. And remember, you can stay locked in on all things on her mark on social by following MBCS Boston. And I'm over at underscore Hannah.donnelly. And do us a favor if you love these podcasts, download them, rate it, leave a review. It helps so much in this space. And it helps us continue bringing you conversations like this. So anything you can do to help spread the word, we appreciate it. All right, that does it for me today. I'll catch you guys next time.